this is the Pie Boy Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Pie Boy Podcast. Sparky. And I remembered the song, the Beatles song, that I'm embarrassed that I forgot because it's one of my favorites from the last episode with music and rocking at home with my gram and thinking of those memories, those good times. And the song was Don't Let Me Down. I let myself down, friends, but that's okay. I was on a different wavelength and that song just couldn't come. And I didn't have my right notes. I left them upstairs and I told myself, don't let that slow you down. Just keep powering through. And that's what I did. It's part of the process of telling stories and writing and creative things. Sometimes you have to just power through, but everything too, any, any job, teacher, garbage person, cashier, lawyer, everybody. It's got to push through. Things get hard. Speaking of hard, these stories, uh, we're coming to the end of part one of this story and of my story. And I feel like it's, it's a long journey. And looking back, maybe I didn't have to tell all the stories, but I think 50, it's more than 50 stories, but it's 50 episodes of stories. And the goal is to keep going. And this is 49. And I'm calling it slow burn. But before we get into the burn, let it burn. Don't let me down. Got to come back around to the Beatles. And I just kept thinking about that moment. I went back and watched on YouTube and watched a video of them up on the roof can't remember what street I was on. I didn't do that much research, research, obviously, but it's not the point. I remember the song. I remember the feeling of being there. We definitely cried, and I'm not scared to admit that. I just felt a lot of feelings. I felt like I was there, and people would be like, shut your mouth. I was there. It was just a lot of years later, and I believe memories kind of stick around. There's something that floats around and stays around, um, matter or something in the in, on that rooftop or in the walls of that building and those streets, the concrete. But on a lighter note, another thing I wanted to talk about, about my evolution with the Beatles somewhat of their music and finding out so much more my brain being just expanded even more. And speaking of that enlightenment and expansion of your mind, uh, this podcast I love uh, with Joey Diaz first, I think it was on the church when I heard him say it, his original podcast with um, Lee. And now he does the joint with Coco Diaz, but he was talking, he always talked about the Beatles. He had a lot of funny Beatles stories about people in his neighborhood in New Jersey and also in New York arguing about the Beatles and people telling you they're trash and other people saying they're the best thing ever and they're going to get back together and all these things. And it made me laugh so hard because I knew about all that stuff, but to hear it from a different perspective in a different town, 
different jokers running around and giving their opinion. It it just I connected to that and it made me think of people I know talking about it and he said uh, that he liked them better once they started doing mind enhancing substances and mind expanding substances when they dropped acid and all that stuff he said their music just got even better which in the sense it kind of did and like they didn't keep doing that all the time if you look into it they did other things and or didn't do things they just were really hard workers and had a certain sound they were tuned into a certain frequency for a while and I just, his stories about that just make me laugh so hard because I never thought about it that way. I kind of thought about to hear somebody else talk about it. Like, oh, yeah, it definitely shot them on a different path and one that people love. And there's so many different flavors like Sgt. Pepper and the Magical Mystery Tour. And oh, what are some other? A rubber Soul. So it leads right into this other story from this person I used to know. Um, when I worked in Southeast Portland um, at a dispensary and I made friends with this old Vietnam vet guy, Ron, and we would talk about music and talk about smoking and just those connections of, I don't know, those things pumping each other up, like the music when you're on these things makes you feel a certain way even more experience your feelings from the music even more so and like the he kept saying coming back to the beatles a lot and he told me the story that was so crazy so he had a dream he loved the beatles so much before and he would always get crazy as the records were coming out and he knew they were coming and he had a dream about the record rubber soul he swears and he said he looked me in there there was nobody else there it was just i think he came in in the morning so just him and i looking at each other talking about this story and he said casey i'm not kidding i had a dream about rubber soul one day i saw the album cover and nobody knew it was we didn't have the internet and which I thought was funny that he was telling me that. Like, I know I lived in when there wasn't the internet kind of too. Um, <clears throat> but he said, I saw it. I saw the, I saw the album cover, saw all the things and it cracked me up so much, but it also made me so happy because I, he, it was such a vivid lucid dream and eventually it, he said it came true obviously like he said his dream was so similar to what the album ended up being and he listened to it he felt like it was like a i can't remember if he said it was a prophecy or something and he listened to it just endlessly and i talked to another person from that time period from a whole different walk of life that said the same thing when it came out just listen to it over and over and over and over and over endlessly it's like ingrained in their soul now so that's like part of the reason why i cried thinking of things like that so things come back around let's get into the story um i was saying things are the last part of the story is hard. Uh, I think I tried to avoid it a little bit. I just went off the deep end talking about the, 
the last podcast and coming into this one. But I just wanted to say, like as a trigger warning, the next two stories are hard to tell. They're hard to write. They're hard to live. But I'm here to push through and um, in the na- in the like spirit of David Goggins, like can't hurt me. Like I'm writing the story. It helps me be stronger and helps me stay hard. And I have a tattoo on my arm that says stay strong. And I just have to, I've always thought that even in terrible stories, especially the next few that I'm going to tell you, there's good parts, there's grace, but there's a lot of trauma. Um, So let's end part one with a bang slow burn. When I was in fifth grade, my mom started dating this local guy named Brian. He was the bit, this big dude that drove an extremely loud diesel Ford F-350, but he didn't have a real steady job and was overcompensating. He was just a shisty handyman around town and trying to work an angle on my mom's operation. The funny part was that my mom was playing him right back. She was still working the dope game. After getting cleaned up for a while and having a lot of good behavior, she took an offer she couldn't refuse. Yeah, my mom was in rehab for a little while, and that was one of the hardest things I ever went through, and just being separated from my mom and not really understanding that she couldn't come home. Some people have a choice in rehab and whatever, but my mom like had to go, and she wasn't allowed to come home for a while and slept on my mom's or grandma's couch and like we had beds and stuff but i don't know i just that's when i started having like sleeping problems and all these things worrying and worrying and worrying and then right after that it was like everything was fine and she had good behavior but she was doing she was like she got stronger and uh she took the deal that she couldn't refuse like i said and it's because Dave got deported and her allegiance was with him, not this guy. Uh, his family wanted her to keep doing her runs. They said she made big money and could be trusted. I'm not sure if they knew who they were dealing with. Brian didn't make sense to me. He was not a father figure to me. He was just in the way, in my family's way. I hated how loud his truck was. You could hear it coming from a mile away. He was fake nice and just big. He only wore overalls. The most annoying part was his kids. He had two daughters, Desi or Desiree and Deidre. One was in middle school and the other one was in high school. They were country mean girls. We didn't get along at all. I was so frustrated by them and how uncomfortable I was at my own house. It seemed like one day these people were in our lives and I didn't know why. Everyone in my family hated them. Uncle Scooter and Graham said they had dumb fucking names and they weren't wrong. Desi and Deidre were little shits and had bad behavior. Basically, they were crappy teenagers and they were mean to Kayla and I. I remember mom made us clean up our rooms for when they were going to come to our house to meet us for the first time. Mom made it seem like we were all going to be a family and I was not excited about it as soon as I met them. 
It was so weird when they came over. Mom showed them around the house and talked. Um, then we took them to see our rooms and they instantly made fun of all the boy shit and mine. I was not happy about it, but they thought Kayla's room was cute. Kayla took a liking to them because of that. But I instantly felt this competition and mean spirit from them. Later on, while we were all hanging out in the living room, mom told them that I had a wrestling tournament that weekend. And the younger sister, Desi, started making fun of me and said she could beat me wrestling. I said, there's no way. And we started to wrestle. I put her in a headlock so fast and transitioned uh, to a head and arm. I made her tap out. My mom was so proud and I was riding high. Deidre got so pissed and said I was beating her up. That's when I knew the sisters hated me. From that day on, the sisters would push my buttons to the point that I would beg my mom to not hang out with them or have them over. They teased me nonstop. At first, mom said they just liked me, and that's how they showed it. Not cool. Uh, I've never believed that. Whatever stereotype or archetype, I've always thought it was BS. Somebody's picking on you, and... Maybe you're going to be their boyfriend or girlfriend. That's terrible. That's not how you get to know people. And somehow, that's not kind. <sighs> Eventually, my mom got the memo. But it took a lot. Deidre literally killed my pet gecko one day when she was babysitting us. She had sprayed it with a household cleaner instead of the water bottle. We kept the water fill, uh, spray bottle next to the container to its cage. I was devastated, and Desi said it was an accident. My mom didn't believe it and forced her into telling the truth. She later laughed at me and asked if I missed my little nasty pet. I was floored and wanted to hurt her, hurt her so badly. My gram was just sick over it. I was more worried about that. I was mad in the moment, but how it made everybody else feel, and I just felt helpless. The two dimwits would babysit us often and be such bitches to us. Sorry about that. It's the washing machine. They would make... Uh, they would make us watch their dumbass teen shows and would make fun of us for wanting to watch Fresh Prince, Full House, Family Matters, wrestling, cartoons, or sports. They watch stuff on, I want to see the, the WB, maybe One Tree Hill. That could have been around, or it was before that. Some, whatever was on in the mid to late 90s. I don't know. It was trash. They would sit on the couch all night and bitch at us, ignore us. They wouldn't make us food or anything. They were just there and really didn't care about us. They were creepy girls. 
They would be there while my mom and their dad were around town with bad behavior. Mom and Brian would fight often. They would yell and scream at each other in front of us and down in the basement. I think they were doing drugs together, honestly. My mom was at the peak of her craziness, and this guy was using her. At some point, he started taking out his frustrations with her on us. He'd be so mean to Kayla and I, verbally abusive when he was supposed to be watching us and when mom was not around. He made us feel scared and like bad kids when we are, in fact, not bad kids. He had this thing about me cleaning up my collection of army stuff. Let me tell you, it was quite the collection that I had been putting together for years from army surpluses from here, from Oregon to Montana. I had tons of gear. I could outfit my own platoon, AKA the kids in the neighborhood. And I was so proud to do it. At one point I had left out my duffel bag of stuff in the yard and I couldn't find it the next day. I was beside myself about it. I knew it was there. People didn't just come in our yard, even though we were in Tillamook and steal stuff. It wasn't all of my army stuff, but it was a huge part of the collection. Mom said Brian knew uh, where it was and that I should talk to him. When I asked him about it, he got real nasty and mean. He said I needed to learn a lesson about picking up after myself and said that the gear was gone. I didn't understand. He said he knew where it was, but I thought I didn't deserve, but he thought I didn't deserve to have it back until I learned my lesson, which I'm not sure what the lesson was. Still, I went crazy on him and started crying. I begged him to tell me where it was. He just laughed and let me suffer for a bit. Then he finally revealed the truth. He told me he had taken out taken it out on highway, the highway 101 or 6 and thrown it out. Just got rid of it. Said I didn't deserve it for being so careless with my gear and not picking it up when my mom constantly had asked me to do it. He said I could probably go out on 101 and find a few shirts floating around if the in the wind if I really wanted I screamed and cried. I couldn't believe it. I felt like my world was ending. He laughed at me and said I could talk to my mom if I was that upset because he was done helping me. He was so proud to do that to me. When I told my mom what he said, she went off the handle. <clears throat> he had lied to her and said he had it but he had actually thrown it out somewhere, probably not on the road. He probably just threw it in the garbage. She threatened him and they got in this huge fight. She kicked him out and they were yelling and screaming. And I was right there. He tried to back into her with his truck and almost hit her. She yelled for us to get in the house and then she picked up a clay flower pot and threw it through his back window. 
which shattered all of the glass. He didn't even get out to check because he was scared, but he tried to hit her with the truck again and yelled out the window. The cops came and arrested mom for what had happened. Grandma and Gramps had come over because they had seen that go down. The cops showed up shortly after and took her away. The cops were scared of her. It wasn't her first run-in. It took them a while to get her in the car. That day was the end of Mom and Brian's relationship. We, did not, we didn't see him for a long time after that. But we did, and karma had gotten him. Fifteen or more years later, he literally went blind. I saw him at the fair, and when I told my mom and Graham what I had, that I had seen him, they both gasped, and Mom said, We know. Ain't karma a bitch, Casey? Recently, I found out some more information about this part of the story. I had literally thought my army gear going missing was a bigger part to the undoing. Brian had finally pulled his big scam and got his mitts on mom's debit card. Mom slipped up and he took full advantage. He asked to borrow 40 bucks or something and turned it into $16,000. He stole her information and stole it over some time. Most of that cash belongs to the cartel, which put mom at risk. She had gotten arrested, uh, and they were using the flower pot through the window thing as a cause to pull her in for questions about the dope game and to hopefully snitch on Dave and his family. Mom stayed tight-lipped, and that earned her trust in the end, but that story comes later. They still speak high of her to this day, Dave family, and would offer a branch of opportunity if she needed it. Mom said the army clothes thing was too much, but was not in fact what started the slow burn. So yeah, it comes back around. Um, man, that story was a long time in the making and has recently come together as I listened to Lana Del Rey on her new album, Breaking Up Slowly. Oh, man, it makes me think of that time period with my mom so much and how it was our time with her was coming to an end because of this, these poor decisions and poor choices and scary things that she was doing. Um, she was defending herself. I'm not, I'll never um, be upset about that. It was upsetting to see and experience like traumatic, but I respect my mom so much for standing up for herself, not backing down to this animal. Um, um, pig, whatever you want to call them. Um, not backing down to the cops either. And I don't, I'm not saying she was right, but he didn't get in any trouble. 
he didn't he got maybe talked to but it's because he knew the cops he's a white guy local guy been around um probably had dirt on somebody that worked there or something there's always weird things like that and my mom my mom has talked a lot of, about those those types of things and i don't know if she was if all the things were true or a lot of them were bs but it just seemed kind of interesting what certain people in town in Tillamook would get away with and others wouldn't and who was always going to jail or being pulled over or getting the extra look around. And my mom was one of those people, so I can say that. Um, anyway, um, I can never be um, upset at her for this Um like I said, I was saying I respect her for standing up, even though it was just a crazy scenario. We should never have been in that scenario. A guy tried to kill you with a truck, hit you, and flower pots flying in the air. Like, it got a pretty good arm. Like, it was a clay, um, medium-sized pot with dirt and a plant in it. Nailed it. Nailed that canopy back window just shattered it. it's huge bigger than the actual back window <laughs> i was more just impressed not with that um being said it's not the first time i've seen i saw my mom stand up to a man like that uh, a few years prior to that i was a little bit younger i was probably second or third grade maybe younger because it, it does feel like a long time ago, and I don't know if I already told this story. I couldn't find it in the manuscript, so I don't think so. I think I told it on one of the old Pie Boy podcasts, vintage Pie Boy podcasts that are, I think they're gone, or they're in they're in my iCloud somewhere from being on I, iTunes. Somewhere, figure it out, but one time we were coming to town so it was when before i think my dad it was definitely before my dad had custody and my mom was taking us to see my dad or something in town we were living at the coast at that time and we're coming to town coming up uh, highway 6 to 26 coming into the city we are going before we get into the tunnel, you know, it always slows down. They have like a hazard speed because of, they don't want people changing lanes and all. It just gets wild down there in the that tunnel. And this person, this guy, almost ran us off the road before the tunnel. And then we get in the tunnel, and this guy is still like raging. And oh, we almost hit the side of the tunnel. We scrape. Uh, the rims but we don't like crash but we're close we could have my mom swerves and screaming and is irate and this guy's irate and he's like in his car and he's basically bullying with us with his car and i'm not saying anything i'm just trying to get as small as i can in my seat i felt like i couldn't get any farther into the seat if i tried i tried so hard and i I just remember not breathing. I was like holding my breath, like what's going to happen? And my sister was crying because my mom was screaming. And 
there was a lot of traffic. So eventually we were pulling off because we're going to go um, uh, over uh, the Ross Island Bridge. So we have to <clears throat> pull off by Portland State. I can't remember what exit it is. So we're stopped. And this guy comes. I can't remember if he was right behind us or a few cars back. Gets out of his car. Walks up to the car. Proceeds to bang on the window and is trying to grab my mom through the window and my mom is swinging at him and all I remember is that he had a cast and he reached his cast arm into the car which was a huge mistake because he didn't know who he was messing with and my mom grabbed a pen and she stabbed him so hard in his the part of his skin uh, I think it was closer to his elbow where the cast was not. So like he had a broken arm, but then the cast stopped before his elbow and she stabbed him like in his like crease of his elbow. So, so hard. And he pulled away and was like freaking out, but like, okay, okay. Or something changed. And all of a sudden, another guy came running up, fucking screaming. I'm like, it's traumatic to think about it. And he came up screaming at this guy, and he's like, Put your hands on your head. It was a cop, an undercover cop. So he didn't have his badge on or anything. And he's, or excuse me, he didn't have, he had his badge. He was showing his badge, and he had his gun. And but he didn't have a uniform on. That's what I meant to say. I'm just like in the moment of my, I'm looking at my freaking heart rate and where am I at? I jumped up. I was, was it like arresting like 60 something? Now I'm like almost a hundred thinking about this and screaming at him like back down, back down, like get your hands off of her. What are you doing? And all it was scary. And he slammed him so hard. And I thought, I think about it now, it's karma. And how bold this dude was. I know those dudes are still out there, but now they do it. They have to be even more secretive and crazy because of cameras and things like that. But they get caught, especially with all this Asian hate and all these hate crimes happening in the street all different types of people. It just, I don't know. It's guys like this. It's guys like both of these dudes I'm talking about that I'm more scared of those type of people than so much in this life. And pray that karma gets them and they don't hurt another person. That was one of the only moments I can think of where I felt okay about the cop being around. Um, I remember he checked in with my mom and it was like an, a guardian angel or something out of nowhere because nobody else is doing anything. We are stopped. I don't know if it was just a light or what, but I remember being lots of cars and nobody else got out. And maybe other people were yelling or something, but all I could hear was 
with my mom and this dude with the cast and my sister crying and the cop coming up and just blasting this guy against the car. And I don't know if he put the handcuffs on. I don't remember if he even got arrested, but who knows? I don't think it was just a warning. (laughs) Hopefully. Who knows where this guy is anymore? And the Brian guy is so crazy that we saw him at the fair. And I was with a couple of my buddies. And I just said, oh, I saw this guy. And I thought I knew who he was. Had the overalls on. No BS. But he was with other people. Maybe his family. I don't think it was the girls. Because I had seen them a few years prior in my or after they were gone and it definitely wasn't them i would recognize them maybe not today but i did back then and he was with like a a little girl and she was calling grandpa i'm looking this guy and what threw me off he is blind and his eyes look different but it was still him and it was so crazy probably He's still alive. Wouldn't he? Maybe he doesn't remember any of the stuff, or maybe he does. Who knows? But I was so scared of that guy, and so traumatized by him in our life and those girls. And I realized today, as I'm walking with my daughter, I'm thinking about telling the story now, and going over the notes in my head and coming to terms that I didn't say everything I wanted to say and I'm forgetting parts about my mom and different, like it's all this jumbled stuff because it was just a jumbled day. It's been a jumbled month and the message came through of what the real lasting effect was from these, this experience with the Brian guy and then just the, abuse from other people and abuse from men, white men of a certain age and generation. And but it really screwed me up with trust. It gave me trust issues with like a male um, role model or father figure as far as somebody being around my mom. My dad was my dad, and he did a lot of good things and provided a lot of those things, um, a role model in certain things, and was my coach and taught me a lot of things with sports and life. But I had really bad influences around me and bad role models and just bad people too, and that had a deeper effect on me. Um those one couple moments are much stronger and are harder to shake. And I'm here today to tell you that I've been shaking them off and shaking them down and learning to let them go because I have to. I have to become lighter um, from things like that and help other people with have dealt with these things and talk to them eventually about these things. They're a common trauma for a lot of people. Yeah, that was hard to talk about that, the army thing. I think I told my wife that she didn't want to hear the rest of the story. 
because it made her so sad. And I actually have one of the original pieces uh, that wasn't in that bag because I had more. Like I said, I had a lot. Maybe it was spoiled in a sense. But I built it up over time. I just loved the Army Surplus store and all just that kind of gear. Loved it. And I have this shirt, one of my very first shirts, old vintage Army Surplus green uh, with, I think it's uh, uh, Sergeant, Private, or no, it's Private First Class PFC. Um, a badge of some sort on both arms. It's in mint condition. I can't believe it's still around, but there was so much that was lost. So much. And it's taken me so long to learn to let that go. And it makes me think of this thing. I talk about the language of letting go and letting go so much. And that's such a common theme in my podcast and my memoir. That's why I'm like some of the purposes, the purpose to write and say these things, to let it go. It helps let it go. And in this book called The Language of Letting Go, this daily meditation book, there's this idea of whenever life takes something away from you, let it go. It was probably meant to be. Some, if it takes it away, no matter what it is, it could go for so many things. And in a lot of cases, it's easier said than done. But this is one of those cases. And I also realized that today as I'm walking around with my daughter. Who I want to pass this type of knowledge on to. Is that I had to let that go. I had to let it go. All that stuff. And I did. I let the physical stuff go. Once I, I think in high school, I really didn't care that much about that stuff anymore. Um, it was just a material thing. But I cared about the memories, but I held on to those. That's what I had. Those Life didn't take those away. I still have that one jacket. I still have a couple things. Utility belt and a flashlight somewhere. Um, canteen. A couple other shirts. Um, but yeah, it's all gone and that guy's gone and karma is nothing to mess with people. I'm not making that up about him and I don't know what actually happened and it feels bad. There is a little bad in there negative in there, but karma could get me too. I, it has, it has, I'd be I'm not a saint. I know that. But I also try hard and do my best. And karma has got me. That's something easy to explain. That's why I feel like I understand it in a sense. So that being said, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the support and courage to tell these stories and hopefully help other people and help myself. So till next time, happy hunting. Everything is everything and everything will be okay forever and ever and ever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Till next time. <laughs>